When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? I made it clear that my intention was to play and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. Rodgers going for it all. Looking to bring it open. He's got it. Lazard. Rodgers snaps it quick, scrambles to his right, pumps and runs, and Rodgers is inside the pylon. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Breaking away, Garrett Wilson. Wilson, a big play downfield. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning. 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinton Williams. What a beast. Number 95 for the Jets. Listen, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And we are going to go behind the scenes of episode number two of the Jets original series, Flight 23, with a return guest. He was on last week to recap the first episode and also talk about what goes into these projects in general. He's a director of feature productions and original programming for One Jets Drive Films and the director of One Jets Drive and Flight 23, Mr. Seth Bradley. Seth, thanks so much for coming back on the show, sir. Hey, thanks for having me, Scott. Really appreciate it. So Joe Douglas at the start of the episode is talking about getting Aaron Rodgers, negotiating that deal while still trying to prepare for the draft. So very busy time period for him. Talked a lot about building in the trenches and how important that was. And he said how Philadelphia and Kansas City, the two teams that were just in the Super Bowl, were very strong in the trenches. And you can see that's the recipe for success. And a lot of Jets fans have understood for a while that's how Joe Douglas feels. But to hear him specifically cite those two teams and his exact strategy for building up the team around Aaron Rodgers was interesting. Talk to me a little bit about this part of the episode with Joe Douglas just sitting there in his chair opening up to you. I was curious how much he generally is willing to say in front of the camera. I know obviously he's got to keep some trade secrets and all that. Sounded like he was very open when you guys went and talked to him. Yeah, Joe, Joe's really been great with us from the beginning. You know, I think um, 
first of all, you know, I think draft day in general is one of the most exciting days in the organization. I mean, you kind of feel like when you come in the door that day, like it just it just feels different because you don't really know what's going to happen that night. And obviously with with Joe, you know, the draft is, you know, typically like their Super Bowl of the offseason, you know, they kind of build up to this day. So for him to kind of, you know, take time out of that day to sit down with us and react to the trade and kind of set the table for that night was really cool. But, you know, I think, um, you know, Joe is somebody that I think he does really keep things close to the vest throughout an off season. Like you, you really kind of, you know, I think probably even some of the guys on his staff don't always, you know, necessarily know what direction he might end up going with certain things, you know, cause I think that's part of being an NFL general manager. You know, I think you have to kind of, you know, you don't want to ever tip your hand. You don't want to really kind of ever, um, you know, let something leak that's going to, you know, tip somebody else off. So I think with Joe, um, he's always very open with us. He, you know, the fact he lets cameras in the draft meetings and things like that, like, you know, we were fortunate to kind of see things and kind of get a gauge on, you know, who they like and what direction they might go during the draft. But I think in that particular moment, it was just kind of cool to see him you know, decompress from such, you know, and take an exhale from such a crazy off season. You know, I think um, when you think of the Aaron Rodgers trade, there was so much that went into it. There was months and months of speculation. You know, he was, you know, constantly working to get that deal done. So I think you kind of saw him be able to kind of take a little bit of a breath and say like, you know, we got our number one guy. Like we got the guy that's hopefully going to lead us, you know, to a Super Bowl and, and things like that. But then also, like, looking forward to the draft, which um, is such an important part of this. And, you know, I think, you know, the flight series um, for the last couple of years has has really been about the draft. So I think we wanted to kind of give fans that, you know, inside look into, you know, the decisions that were made and, you know, ultimately picking Will and, and Joe Tittman and, and the others in, in this draft class. So it was, um, for me, it's it was one of my favorite episodes to put together just because um, – you know, I think fans kind of get that inside look and sneak behind the curtain. Seth, the old saying is those who do not learn from history are doomed to repeat it. But in the Jets case, they would have wanted to repeat it, at least last year's draft history where they had an incredible draft class. And so you took us back in the film to 2022 and showed how that forged a path to where the Jets are now. You had some interesting talking heads here too. Peter Schrager, Judy Batista, Mike Garofalo, three very high-profile NFL writers and reporters, and then Chad Alexander, who's the director of player personnel for the Jets, as well as Phil Savage. Tell me a little bit about how you put this together and how you selected the people that you selected to be the talking heads for this part of it. Yeah, it's like we've been fortunate... You know, last year in particular, we w- were able to get some high-profile um, media figures, you know, in the show from Adam Schefter to Colleen Wolf to, you know, Peter did it last year as well. So kind of bringing some of those guys back. And obviously, um, you know, Mike Garofolo was in the show last year, you know, and um, we wanted to bring him back. So it's, it's kind of one of those things where, like, we really try to – tell some of this story through some of the national media, because I think they can just, you know, bring some entertainment value to it, but also it just kind of encapsulates what, you know, New York is all about. You know, I think when you think of the bright lights and everything like that, you know, it's, um, it just kind of add for us, it adds a little bit to the production of the, you know, and, and being able to tell the story to the fullest extent. But, you know, I think going back to the 22 draft, it was important for us to, 
you know, kind of address that, you know, that was really the foundation of what this thing is going to be. You know, I think when you think of the Jets, you know, hopefully the Jets are going to go on a run here where they win multiple championships. And I think when you look at what the, what Joe was able to do last year, drafting sauce, um, first team all pro, you know, in that season and, you know, Garrett and Jermaine, you know, I just think um, it was crazy to look back at how that, how everything kind of fell into place and, um, how how the Jets really got, you know, three, you know, their top eight players and then, you know, Brees in the second round who, you know, um one one interesting, you know, tidbit I can I can kinda add to this is, you know, and I and I know it was kind of speculating in the media, but last year during the at the end of the first round, you know, we're kind of like standing around the draft room, you know, ready to wrap up because we think Joe's done and he's actively trying to trade back into the first to get Brees. And I think that was one of the cool things like, you know, I, and I, I think they almost did it, but, you know, it was one of those things where um, I think it was just such a cool moment to see, you know, everything unfold last year. And, you know, I think Jets fans would obviously have been pretty happy with four first round picks, but obviously we ended up getting Brees anyway, but um, how much they wanted Brees last year, I think was also a huge part of the equation um, and how they viewed him as, you know, a legitimate first round pick. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I think that draft was historic already, but then you think back to what the Jets did in 2000 with four first round picks, I thought it would have been pretty cool if they had like, you know, done that where it's, it mirrors it, you know, four first round picks and and 22, but, um, obviously they ended up getting, you know, the guy they wanted anyway. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. 
Seth, we get a glimpse of the final draft meeting for the Jets before draft day. We hear from Rex Hogan, Chad Alexander, as well as John Carr, who is the director of college scouting. And I thought he had some of the more interesting quotes in this episode. We'll get into that a little bit more later. Talk to me a little bit about being in these meetings, being able to see how everything works, how you included what you included, because there was talk about specific players, but we didn't necessarily know who they were talking about. We heard comments about this player likes this or this player is this way. There was one player who they said could go to the Hall of Fame. The only thing getting in his way is himself. Some people have speculated that they might have been talking about Jalen Carter, the defensive lineman from Georgia who ended up going to the Philadelphia Eagles who traded up one spot to get him at number nine. Obviously not going to ask you to confirm or deny that. I'm just saying that that scene in particular has gotten some chatter and that has been what people have been discussing in terms of who it might have been that the Jets were talking about at that moment. Tell me a little bit about that. And then the love for Will McDonald clear in this final draft meeting. You hear a lot about it. We'll get into that a little bit later, especially when we talk about Will McDonald actually getting selected. But bring this all together for us here. Yeah, I, th- I think with the draft means one of the coolest things for us to see is legitimately how much of a collaboration it actually is. And you kind of see, you know, in February, um, when we go into the draft meetings, you know, early in the process, it's just the scouts, Joe, Rex, and they kind of start to, you know, put together their initial rankings and they start to kind of, you know, put their board draft board together. But then by the time the April draft meetings roll around, that's where they're really going to like finalize their draft board and really flesh out, you know, comparing players and really figuring out, you know, how they want to rank guys. And, you know, the one thing, you know, I think is really cool about Joe and and the staff is, is how collaborative actually is. You know, I think every, there's so many different voices to talk on one player and you, and you hear like from the, you know, they're obviously their skill level, but then also the, you know, the character concerns and everything else, which, which obviously, obviously with Joe is, you know, as big of a part of it as anything is, you know, is this guy going to fit, you know, what we're trying to do from a culture standpoint. So I think, um, you know, when you, when you think to a draft meeting, I think sometimes maybe people think like, well, this is going to be Joe's decision. This is going to be, Joe honestly doesn't really speak a ton in those meetings. Like he kind of, sits back and and lets everybody else speak. And then you kind of, you hear all these guys, you know, the coaching staff, the scouts, John Carr, Chad Alexander, Rex Hogan, they, they all give their reports and you kind of hear the extent to these guys, the work these guys do for one particular player, which I think is very interesting for a fan to hear. But um, obviously not going to delve into, you know, who's talking about what in some of those parts. But, you know, I think with Will, you know, I think fans – might not have necessarily known he was going to be, you know, high on the jet sport throughout the process. But I think being in the meetings, you know, our, our crew in particular, we kind of had a great idea that they loved Will McDonald from the very beginning. You know, it was one of those guys where I think if fans had, you know, heard the way the the personnel was talking about him throughout the off season, they would have been like ecstatic of, you know, this is a guy we're picking, you know, at 15. So I think, you know, with, with Aaron White Cotton, who's been, you know, to me, he's one of the most interesting characters in the entire building. You know, I think he's, you know, so so animated, so passionate. And he has so much conviction. And Jeff Albrick is the same way where, you know, I think when you hear these guys speak, um, you, you know, you almost get chills like hearing their conviction on certain guys. And I think that was the case really with with Will. You know, I think from the very beginning, they viewed him in a very high regard. 
And the same with Joe Tittman as well, which people get an inside look at, at his draft meeting later in the episode. We get a flashback to a great moment in Jets history, Darrell Revis becoming a New York Jet. The Jets traded up in the 2007 draft. I'll tell this story, Seth. I think I've told it before, but I was working in radio at the time, and I was on my way to an appearance, and I was running a little late, and I thought, no big deal. The Jets are picking toward the end of the round, but then they traded up while I was in the car driving, and I pounded my fist on the dash saying, damn, why'd they have to do this now when I'm on the road and I'm not there yet? And I remember, I think it was Mike Greenberg saying that the Jets were probably trading up for Greg Olson. And then I pounded my fist on the dash again saying, you can't be serious. How could they be trading up from 25 to 14 to get a tight end? And in the end, it wasn't a tight end. It was Darrell Revis. And at the time, I thought, well, that's weird. Leon Hall appeared to be the better cornerback coming out of college. Of course, we know how that turned out. Darrell Revis ended up being one of the greatest cornerbacks of all time, and that was one of the best moves the Jets have ever made. So that was a really cool flashback. And then we get to learn about a kid named Kyle Stickles. He gets shown around the office by Rex Hogan, plays catch with Garrett Wilson. I thought that was a really cool scene when they had that moment together, Garrett Wilson and Kyle Stickles. Kyle Stickles is a young man who was granted a wish from Make-A-Wish. Can you talk a little bit about all of this? Because Kyle was a compelling character here, even though a lot of Jets fans before the draft might not have known him. I think he's going to become a very popular figure among Jets fans now. Yeah, I think, you know, the Kyle story was such, you know, I think fans really fell in love with him during the draft. You know, I think when you saw him make the pick and, uh, you know, fans started to hear about his story and everything like that, you know, it was easy to, you know, root for this kid and, you know, want to, you know, be a fan of his as we all were in the building. So I think um, when he came in that day, it was just so cool for us to kind of follow him around and and see kind of like an NFL facility through, you know, a kid's eyes. You know, I think back to like when I was a kid and things like that, how wide I'd, I would be like walking around an NFL facility and, you know, um, meeting NFL players. And, you know, there was stuff that we cut out of that because of, you know, the length of it and stuff where, you know, pretty much every guy that was walking down the hallway was saying like, Hey man, like you're making our pick, you're making our pick tonight, like good luck. And, you know, just seeing him kind of look around and everything like that. And obviously Garrett comes out and, you know, has that moment with him. And, you know, Garrett's honestly just like one of the most unbelievable human beings you'll ever be around. Um, and that's just, that was like the most genuine moment because that's exactly who Garrett is. Like that's not him playing it up for the cameras or anything like that, because, he would do that if he was like alone, you know, and, and no one was around, you know, that's, that's what's the coolest part about, you know, being around Garrett Wilson. So I think that it was one of those things is we're putting the show together when you see Kyle make the pick and then Will McDonald is watching Kyle make the pick and you see kind of two like dreams come true in one moment. I think that was a really cool part that we, we really tried to capture. Next up, we get to day number one of the NFL draft, and I thought this was fascinating because the narrative, Seth, for a while has been that the Jets made that pick swap with the Packers, and it led to them losing out on Broderick Jones, who is the player they really wanted, the tackle out of Georgia, and the reason that happened is because the Pittsburgh Steelers traded up one spot ahead of the Jets with the New England Patriots, and thus the Patriots screwed over the Jets. That's been the narrative. But what we learn here, courtesy of Flight 23, is that that's not how it played out at all. In fact, Broderick Jones was third on the Jets list at the time that they made the pick at number 15. And Will McDonald was ahead of him on their board, as was Michael Mayer, the tight end 
out of Notre Dame, which I was happy to hear. The Jets, unfortunately, weren't able to get Mayer in the second round, but I really like Mayer. think he's going to be an excellent player. Thought he would have been a really nice piece for the offense with Aaron Rodgers. And so hearing that the Jets were high on him and would have considered him if McDonald was gone or if Mayer had dropped to them at number 43 was something that made me have some confidence in Joe Douglas and the coaching staff. But Douglas, in addition to not wanting Broderick Jones in that spot over McDonald and Mayer, also predicted that somebody, and in fact he said correctly it would be Pittsburgh, would trade up in front of them with the Patriots to grab Broderick Jones, obviously understanding that people were going to think the Jets wanted an offensive lineman here. And so, Seth, the question becomes, a lot of reports had the Jets very interested in Broderick Jones. Were those reports leaks from Joe Douglas and guys in the front office intentionally to throw off the other teams? That was what a lot of Jets fans thought after watching this episode, me included. I think that's exactly what happened. But tell me about this, because I thought this was the most interesting part of the episode, learning who the Jets really liked in this particular spot and finding out that it was Will McDonald all along. Yeah, I think, you know, for us, it was kind of funny to see the narrative that Joe was panicking, you know, when New England did that trade and things like that. Because honestly, Joe is so cool during the entire draft. Like, you'll never see him really, like, flinch. And he's so he's so well-prepared and the staff is so well-prepared. So, you know, I think one of the most unique things to watch throughout the process is how much, you know, you kind of – you know, you're putting together your draft board and, you know, you're going through and you're evaluating players, but there's such an art and a science to knowing what other teams are going to do. And I think that's, um, it's a really unique part of the process to watch. And obviously you can't, we can't go into too much detail throughout a show like this and give every single person that's involved the love and attention they deserve. But, you know, someone like Greg Nejma, like, you know, he, he, from a pro personnel standpoint knows what other teams need. And he, you know, he kind of goes through and he might say like, you know, New England is going to take this guy or, you know, that this is positions they need to, they need to get. So Joe, as he's going through the, you know, the board and everything's starting to kind of fall into place, he has a very good understanding of like, okay, like I know this team's probably going to take him. I know this team's going to probably take him. It's not like guessing. It's they legitimately do the research and work throughout the offseason and kind of know, you know, this is where, you know, guys are going to fall. You know, um, you know, I think throughout the process, you, you see throughout the offseason, I think fans really, you know, see the mock drafts and things like that. And I think they really latch on to that. But I think a part of the process for Joe and his staff is doing mock drafts as well to kind of guess and predict who's going to take who and what's going to happen throughout, you know, the NFL draft. So I think, you know, kind of seeing this unfold in real time, it was, it was really, it was really unique. And I I thought the coolest moment, you know, for, you know, I agree that during this entire episode was when Joe correctly predicted that, you know, Pittsburgh was going to trade above us for broader Jones, which, um, you know, I don't think he flinched, you know, at all during that moment. You know, I think it was one of those things where, they, you know, they wanted Will and that that's, you know, who they were excited to pick. And, um, you know, I think it was kind of cool fan, for fans to really see not only like the confidence and, and swagger Joe has during the draft, but just, you know, how much he actually knows. You know, it's like mm-hmm. I, I think that um, NFL general managers like are often, you know, so far behind the curtain, you don't really get to see that type of stuff. And I think here, you know, you really got to see the knowledge that 
he has and the preparation that he does, you know, for one draft. Seth, we see the Jets draft Will McDonald, and there was an unintentionally funny moment when he's notified that the Jets are picking him, and at first he couldn't hear, so he said, what, what? And then once he finally figured out what was going on, everybody was excited, and there were celebrations. We hear from John Carr, Rex Hogan, Chad Alexander, and Phil Savage. I thought John Carr gave some great insight into why the Jets really like Will McDonald. John Carr, an interesting guy who doesn't get talked about enough, he's sort of in the shadow but as the director of college scouting really seems to have his finger on the pulse here Phil Savage talked about how the Jets had had Will McDonald on their radar for two years they liked him a lot last year would have considered trying to draft him at some point if he had entered the draft a lot of people thought that he would instead he went back to Iowa State and so the Jets get him in the 2023 draft you hear Robert Sala telling Will McDonald all about how he's going to get him out from that role he was playing at Iowa State inside move him outside and just have have him rush the quarterback and I thought this was a fun moment too we'd heard about it but to actually see it now Brees Hall talking to his buddy Will McDonald on video chat those guys were very close friends John Walters who's the play-by-play voice for Iowa State football was on the show and talked about how close those two were so that was a really nice moment between two friends that we were able to see courtesy of this and then of course we see Will McDonald come to the facility talk to me a little bit about all of this and how it was pieced together everything involving will mcdonald and the coaches and what we heard from phil savage i thought was specifically interesting in terms of insight into why the jets liked will mcdonald so much and how they had him on their radar for two years and then tell me about your first impression and the crew's first impression when will mcdonald first showed up at florham park yeah, so I think, um, you know, the personnel and the, and the staff and, and these guys that evaluate, like you mentioned John Carr, you mentioned Phil Savage. It's it's like these guys do so much work throughout the year that nobody really sees. And, you know, John Carr is, you know, he leads the college scouting and everything like that, and he has such a wealth of experience. It's like to me, like when he's breaking down a player – it, it hits different because you're like, man, like this guy is on the road, you know, 90% of the year he's going to the schools just like an area scout does. And, you know, he has such conviction over guys and, you know, he's, he's one of my favorite people in the building just cause you, you know, like how much work he's putting in and, and, and how, how much clout he has. And Joe, I mean, you kind of hear like throughout the draft, like Joe's asking his opinion, you know, because he's there, he's, you know, Joe, you know, as being a general manager, he's got to rely on the staff. He's got to trust his staff. And I think that's one of the cool parts about this show is you kind of, you know, hear that through. It's If a fan goes back and, and they watch Flight 22 and 21, you kind of get the backstory on a lot of these guys and, and who they are and where they come from and, you know, how they got to the Jets. And most of these guys, you know, have grinded through the scouting ranks and, and really have cut their teeth and – um so like the fact they're sitting here in a high position with the Jets, it's, it's not a coincidence, you know, Joe, and Joe significantly has a significant amount of trust in, in each of them to, to do the job that they do. So, you know, I think with, with Will in particular, you know, I think throughout the process, you started to realize, man, like the Jets really view him as, you know, a very, very high pick. And um, it wasn't a shock to any of us that that's, you know, who they were targeting at 15, um, and I actually think the the moment with Brees Hall and, and Will's house, you know, fans can kind of connect the dots. And I, I think Joe actually might have said this in his po- um, in the one of the press conferences after the draft. 
he was texting Bree. You know, Joe was kind of texting Brees, like, "Hey, like we're gonna we're gonna take Will," and that's why Brees called. You know, and Facetime with Will. So it kind of just it shows you like the conviction that Joe had over that pick. You know, and and oftentimes, um, you know, Joe will you know he'll rely on every single person that he knows to get information about a player. So I'm sure throughout the process. He, you know, asked Brees about Will and what he's like as a person and what he's like as a teammate. And um, you could kind of see, you know, when Will arrived, how excited they were to be playing uh, together again. So I thought that was one of the really unique moments of the show. But, you know, when Will came into the building, you know, I think fans throughout throughout his career here are going to really learn, you know, what an incredible person he is and, and the journey that it took him to get to the NFL. You know, he's got – you know, really incredible backstory. Um, you know, at times, you know, what didn't even look like he was going to play um, the game or, you know, have a path to the NFL. So I think, you know, you kind of heard that in his voice, how humble he was. You know, I think that he was somebody that, you know, didn't come in, you know, boasting that like, hey, I'm, you know, a top, you know, a top 20 draft pick and um, really has a good head on his shoulders, but also just a massive human being. You know, I think you kind of, you don't really realize until a guy comes in the building how big they are and and things like that. And um, seeing him come in for the first time and sit in the chair and do the interview and and shake everybody's hand, you're just like, man, like this guy is just absolutely massive. I'll, I'll never forget the day that Elijah Vera Tucker came in the building for the first time and he shook my hand and I, I felt like he was going to about break my hand. I was like, <laughs> dude, like this guy is rock solid. Um, just you know, incredible strength. <laughs> And you can kind of feel that come across. And it it was really the same thing with Will. So I'm really excited for fans to kind of see, you know, obviously not only what he brings to the table from a football standpoint, but, you know, the what he's overcome to get to this point to be an NFL player. We get another flashback to a great moment in Jets history. The Jets stealing away Curtis Martin in free agency from the New England Patriots. I remember at the time being gobsmacked that the Jets were able to pull that off. And of course, the move that they used can no longer be used. That was a brilliant move by Mike Tannenbaum, who was the cap guy at the time for the Jets. They figured out a loophole that would make it pretty much impossible for the Patriots to match. And like I said, that loophole has now been closed. But it did lead to the Jets getting one of the greatest players in franchise history in Curtis Martin. We then take a look at day number two of the draft and we hear all about Joe Tipman. Boy, the coaches and the scouts all love Joe Tipman. It seemed like it was pretty much unanimous in terms of how much everybody liked Joe Tipman. Now, obviously, Seth, you can give us some insight on this because there's ways to edit it to make it seem like that. Maybe there were some dissenting voices, but at least the impression we're left with is that everybody really loved Joe Tipman. We hear again from John Carr, Chad Alexander, and Rex Hogan. We also hear some interesting banter here with Joe Douglas and the rest of the team where he throws out, would you rather have Joe Tipman or, and then he throws in other players like Cody Mock, and they all say Joe Tipman. Then he says, Joe Tipman or John Michael Schmitz. They all say Joe Tipman. Joe Tipman or Jordan Addison. They all say Joe Tipman. Joe Tipman or Zay Flowers. Joe Tipman. Now, to be fair, Zay Flowers and Jordan Addison both gone in the first round, but still you get the point. Obviously, everybody in the room very high on Joe Tipman. I thought Keith Carter, the offensive line coach's comments about Tipman and his breakdown of what Tipman brings to the table was particularly fascinating here. Tell me about all of this because I thought it gave you a really nice look behind the curtain in terms of just how much this team believed in Joe Tipman from all the scouts all the way up to the general manager, Joe Douglas. 
Yeah, that was a really cool one because I, I do think there was so much conviction across every guy that spoke in, in that meeting. And, you you know, when when Joe starts throwing out, like, you know, do you want X versus X? In this case, it was, you know, Joe Tittman versus Michael Schmitz or Joe Tittman versus Zay Flowers or things like that. Like, what what they're essentially doing there is they're they're kind of, like, finalizing their draft board or figuring out how to rank certain guys. So it, it kind of gives you an idea throughout the process, like, you know, obviously we never see the the board or we, we don't really ever have an idea of like how high a guy is ranked. But when you start to hear the names that they're comparing a guy to, you kind of get a sense like, okay, like I know that guy's like, you know, a first round projection or this guy's going to be a very high pick. So you can, you can kind of get a sense of how much they like a guy through who they're comparing them to. And, and obviously in this case, it was unanimous ac- across the board. Everyone liked Joe. So it was – you know, as we kind of entered the draft, I think in the back of our mind from a production standpoint, we're like, you know, I think Tittman's a guy like, you know, the Jets are really, really going to want, you know, really go, go after. So, um, you know, I think that it's, you know, the, that particular meeting you hear a lot from Jay Mandelisti, which, you know, Jay's one of the most pivotal scouts, um, you know, in, in the entire organization. He's a national scout. We featured him last year um, at – you know, Icky Aquanu's pro day and um, he broke down film for us last year and things like that. You know, Jay, Jay's awesome. You know, I think he's one of the best, you know, most talented people in the building in terms of what he does um, from a scouting standpoint. So I know he was very prominent in that uh, meeting as well. So you kind of hear, you know, a little bit from everybody, you hear from all the different characters in the show, you hear from Chad Alexander, you, you hear from um, Jay, Keith Carter. And then I think just to me, like, hearing the comparisons to other players and, and hearing the conviction that, you know, Joe was the guy, you know, I think it was very easy for us, you know, once, once they turned the card in, we're like, this is going to be a fun scene to cut because there's so much conviction behind the pick. After we see everything that went down with Joe Tipman, we then get a quick review of the Jets other draft picks. I thought the most fun part of this was the Ron Middleton phone call to Zach Koontz. Ron Middleton seems like so much fun. Can you tell me a little bit about him? I really need to know more about what Ron Middleton is like behind the scenes. Yeah, he's definitely one of the most entertaining people in the entire building. You know, I think, um, you know, we can talk about episode three a little bit after this, but, you know, he he kind of comes back a little bit in episode three as along with some of the other coaches. And I think, you know, Ron is – He's exactly what you see is what you get with him. Like, that's exactly how he is, you know? So like when he came in to call Zach, it was like, man, this is going to be electric phone call. You know, there's been some moments in the locker room pregame and stuff where he comes in and he's yelling and he's getting everyone fired up. And obviously he um, filled in for coach Sala when, when coach got COVID against uh, Jacksonville. Uh, I think that was, yeah, that was two years ago now. Um, So fans kind of got to see him, you know, break down the team post game and, um, they got to see him at the senior bowl last year because he was the acting head coach, um, you know, instead of coach Sala for the senior bowl. So I think fans have kind of, you know, really grown to love him. You know, I think he's just one of those people that everyone gravitates towards. And when he speaks, it's always like something powerful. So it was kind of a cool moment there where he got to call Zach and, you know, really one of the coolest parts of the show for, for us. And, you know, I guess the draft in general is when the scouts get to make the calls to the picks. You know, I think that's one of the cool things that Joe's done the last couple of years is letting the area scout um, make that call because, you know, they're the ones that, you know, do 
a lot of this work. You know, it's just, like I said, Joe is relying on these guys to, you know, provide the information and things like that. And um, I know prior to day three of the draft, there's a meeting, you know, with all, all the scouts and, and Joe and the, and, the, and the executive staff where, you know, area scouts get to kind of pound their fists on the table for guys they want to take. Um, and it's kind of like their opportunity to, you know, give their conviction pick of like, you know, this is a guy I really want. And, you know, so in that case, you know, Coach Sala, you know, all these, you know, all these coaches, Joe, Rex, Chad, they're, they're relying on, on these scouts, you know, for, um, who they're going to take, you know, in the later rounds. So I think, um, you know, hearing Thomas Woody, you know, make that call to, to Carter and then you hear Jay make the call to, um, Izzy, you know, it's, it's like, those are, those are really powerful moments for us to film because, you know, it's kind of cool to see like the guy that did, you know, a ton of work in the process to discover this guy. And, um, you know, so I think we tried to give them their moment there at the end where, you know, they got a chance to, you know, be featured in the show. Seth Bradley, director of feature productions and original programming for One Jets Drive Films and the director of One Jets Drive and Flight 23. Really appreciate you coming on to take us behind the scenes of episode number two of Flight 23. It's going to be a lot of fun when we do this again next week for the finale, episode number three. And with that in mind, tell us a little bit about what we can expect with episode three and what you've got coming up with future projects. I know, as you said last week, you've got one coming up on the rehab of Brees Hall. We're going to see something with Darrell Revis and Joe Klecko as they get ready to go into the Hall of Fame. Talk about what we're going to see in episode three and then what's coming up beyond that. Yeah, so I think episode three is is really unique in that, you know, we're kind of able to set the table for what's next for this team. You know, I think, you know, all the work's been done to kind of, um, you know, acquire Aaron Rodgers, um, acquire Alan Lazard, you know, all, all these, you know, new additions. But, you know, I think now, you know, we kind of get a chance to, you know, feature the coaching staff. Um, and and specific, Nathaniel Hackett kind of becomes, you know, a star of this episode um, you know, I think he's such an integral part of, um, you know, bringing in Aaron Rodgers and, you know, and what he's going to do with his offense. So we wanted to kind of give him his moment. Um, you know, he, he breaks down Aaron Rodgers film in this episode, which I think is a, is really unique for the fans um, just to kind of see it through his lens. Um, but also we, we, we kind of, you know, while episode two was heavy on the personnel staff and, the draft, I think this episode kind of sets the table for what's next with the coaching staff and what they need to do to get the Jets, you know, to that next level. But um, we also, you know, have a really cool feature with Alan Lazard. You know, we we bring him back, um, you know, go off-site with him. So fans are going to get to kind of know him, you know, on a different level. Um, C.J. Mosley is a, a part of this episode. There's a team meeting um, with, with Coach Sala, which I think is really cool access for fans. But then it's also, you know, I guess throughout the process, like Aaron Rodgers is still a huge part of this. You know, it kind of you get a cool inside look at, you know, what he does for everybody inside the building and what it kind of means to have him in the building um, now that, you know, he's practicing and um, leading this team. You know, so I think th- this is really going to be a cool kind of table setter for the in- for the season and what's to come. And I think fans, you know, are really going to get a unique, you know, vantage point through different, 
eyes of you know what this offseason has been like and now what this team has to do to ultimately reach our goal which you know you've heard coach Salas say multiple times like this is one of the team handful of teams in the league that is going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl this year and um you know but now it's like what do they do to get there so we we, we really tried to capture you know what's next you know and so I think it kind of the, the baton is now passed from Joe and his staff to coach Sal and his staff. And, and, and now it's, you know, this team putting in the work to, to get to that point. If you haven't seen the first two episodes of flight 23, they're available on YouTube right now. Seth and his crew did an incredible job on the first two episodes. And I'm sure episode three is going to be awesome too. So watch the first two, if you haven't seen them already and then check out episode three, it'll debut Thursday night at eight o'clock. That's when it'll be out on YouTube. You can watch it. And then of course, Seth and I will talk about the behind the scenes making of the episode just as we did today. And just as we did last week as well. So make sure you watch all those episodes and check out all the projects that Seth's going to be working on in the future with his crew. Check out everything we've got going on over at playlikejet.com and the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel. The Thunder from Down Under. Luke Grant has some awesome All-22 breakdowns, including Will McDonald and Joe Tipman, who we talked about. Should the Jets be as high on those two players as they have been so far? Take a look at the All-22 and judge for yourself. It's on our YouTube channel right now, youtube.com slash playlikeajet. Visit our store, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. Get yourself a Play Like a Jet logo shirt plus caps, mugs, hoodies. It's all there, tpublic.com. That's teepublic.com. And be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.